Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Uh, let's pray. Father, um, and I ask you guys to pray for me and for us because I just feel like this little bit of a resistance this morning, and I don't know what it is, but let's pray. So, Father, um, this is your time uh, that we dedicate to you and uh, to hear from you and to be with you and to um, experience what you have designed and what you've asked and what you've uh, showed us to, to minister, to worship together, uh, to experience uh, the presence of other uh, brothers and sisters, family members in the household. Um, and you visit us in a special way. We become aware of you in a special way, and, and I'm really uh, thankful for that. But in this morning, as, as we're bringing your word, uh, I pray that um, we'll have that same presence and that same awareness, and that, God, you would just change people's lives that this, this today would be a, a, a beginning of a course direction, uh, a changing of our course of our life. And uh, may it be something that's down deep in my soul, and it'd be something part of me for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to start off with a story about a man named Bob. Um, this man started off, obviously, as a, a, as a Christian, uh, studying for the ministry, uh, he became an ordained minister and worked as an evangelist. He also uh, became involved with Youth for Christ. I don't know if any of you know about Youth for Christ. And in 1947, quite a ways away uh, back, he was at a, one of the rallies, uh, an evangelical rally, and it was held in China. So he's there in China, and there's a, a missionary teacher that is there in China ministering to the children that are there. And she brings up this child that had been battered and beaten and abandoned and brings him to the evangelist, right, the, the preacher, uh, this, this man, Bob. And she said, what will you do about this? Knowing that she's been battered and abandoned, he reaches in his pocket for his last $5. Now, granted, 1947, that's probably like $100 or $200 in our time now. And he gives it to her, and he says, when I go back home, I promise that I will commit to giving $5 every month for the care of this child. Now, Bob was deeply affected by the poverty and the human suffering that he had witnessed uh, it was known that Bob would often pray, let my heart break or be broken by the things that break your heart, God. And that, that zeal that he had, it drove him even to the end of the earth to meet the spiritual and the human needs wherever he saw them. And if you could play this video, this is Bob establishing this foundation. This is none other than Bob Pierce, the one that founded World Vision, and in 1970, he also founded Samaritan's Purse. And that was three years later after that, that teacher had brought him this child. Now, Bob had a wife and three daughters. Bob began to get really busy, 
and was traveling a lot. He would end up having, uh, up, he would end up leaving up to 10 months out of the year from home, 10 out of 12 months. There was years and years of 18-hour days, unsanitary food, a constant jet lag, and gradually this depleted Bob's, you know, emotional reserves, and then it ended up wrecking havoc on his health. Obviously, it started to affect his family. See, Bob, Bob was all over the world attending to the sick and the depraved people. But at home, his family knew a different depravity. On one of the trips, his daughter had, had phoned Bob and his wife, and she said, Dad, I need you to come home. I'm not doing well. I need you to come home. And she pleaded with her dad to please come home. Well, Bob decided to go ahead to fly on, uh, go on to fly to Vietnam. And then they got notice. So mom flew home. And when she flew home, she was there, encountered her daughter, encountered her daughter in the hospital, recovering from attempted suicide with marks on her arms. And the daughter said, I knew daddy wouldn't come home, but all I needed was for him to come home and wrap his arms around me. Now, they did all they could to get her help, but up to no avail, two years later, she succeeded in taking her life. This didn't stop Bob. The same kind of relationship he had with her, he also had with her other two sisters. Bob went on to go all over the world. His relationship with his wife was not great at all. There was actually up to two years sometimes that they wouldn't even speak. Later on, when it came to the board of World Vision, they had to address his erratic behavior um, and things that were going on, so they did. And they had him take some time off. It didn't help. Eventually, he ended up having to leave World Vision, but he didn't stop from there. He continued. Now, this story here is a real-life story, and there's many like it. And in this life, there are times that we could get so caught up in doing and making things happen. And brothers and sisters, and those of you that will hear by podcast, I want you to listen to this. God does not want you to burn out. And along the way, hurt the most important people in your life. See, God thought of this way long before you and I ever existed. He knew that there was an aspect of working. See, God worked, God created, we're to work, we're to create. But there was another aspect of this that he also rested. Today we're going to talk about two rhythms, and I'm going to touch quickly on the first rhythm, which is called daily office. In daily office, it's basically taking a time to stop, stop to become aware of the presence of God, stop to be able to be with God, not so much to get something done. We find examples like David in the book of Psalms 119, 164, says seven times a day I praise you for your righteous laws. We find in Daniel, 
the book of Daniel, we find Daniel 6 verse 10 says that he stopped three times a day to get down on his knees and pray. We also find in the Gospels that Jesus went up to the temple to pray at the time of prayer. In Acts chapter 3 verse 1, we find Jesus' apostles, his disciples, that he taught. And they would, go to the, uh, they would go to the temple and pray. Acts 3 verse 1 says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at that time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. It is known that the Jews would pray usually three times a day, on a Sabbath four times a day, and on some holidays five times. Daily office is to remain aware of God's presence 24 hours and creating a healthy balance of being with God versus doing with God. That's what daily office is. Paying attention to God and being carried in the presence, His presence throughout the day. Let me ask you something. <clears throat> Before daily office, maybe some of you didn't stop. Maybe you already were stopping and spending time with God. But Think about how much time you normally spend in a week with God. Is it once a day? Is it once every couple days? Is it once a week? Now, if you took that same amount of time and you only spent that much time with someone significant in your life, a spouse, a child, a close friend, what kind of relationship, how would you know them? How would you be able to experience them if you only took that much time that you actually take when it comes to spending with God. Now, this is not a ploy to make you feel guilty on your time you spend with Jesus versus your time not spending with Jesus. That's not why I'm saying this. That's religion, right? That's shame, that's not God. But I'm just saying in reality, when it comes to experiencing this amazing person, this Father, this Jesus, the Holy Spirit in our lives, how would that affect that? The goal would be to create a rhythm of stopping to be with Jesus that will bring an awareness of His presence throughout the day. That there would, be, there would not be a disconnection at any point of the day. Instead of, I prayed today, I did my devotion today, I'm done, now I'm off to the rest of my day. It's more like I stopped to be with Jesus so that I'm with him throughout the day. This is one rhythm of stopping daily. It's really a mini Sabbath. So we are so used to compartmentalizing this part, that part, that part, this part, this part, that part, that part, that part of our lives if you think of all those objects. And we're so used to going and being and doing in each one of these compartments. So if we're going, you know, we get up in the morning and we have that set time, we know that's that part that's with Jesus. And then we brush our teeth, we eat, we get ready, we jump in the car, and we're going. And as soon as we get in the car, sometimes like that Jesus time stays there and Jesus stays in that place. He stays locked up in that compartment and he doesn't go with us the rest of the day. And then all of a sudden we have our work, right? Our work attitude, our work mode, our work mind, our work spirit. And there's maybe little to no or none uh, connections or awareness of God. 
the first person comes up to talk to us, the first task that we, we tackle or we handle, or maybe you uh, get up and the kids are, 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 are crying, they want breakfast, uh, you know, they got to get to school, you know, it's, it's time to, you know, let out the dog, whatever it is. And, and this is the Jesus time, but all those other times are compartmentalized. And before we know it, by, by noontime, there's no Jesus, and definitely by the evening, Jesus is out of the picture, right? And, and we know because we know how we feel. We know where our spirit is compared to when we had that time and that connection with Jesus. And this daily uh, rhythm, this rhythm of stopping throughout the day is important, is meaningful, it's really connecting. Now, in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, God had this plan. He says, So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. They were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, and on it he rested from all his work of creation. It sounds like I'm repeating myself. I am. God repeats in just three verses that he completed, that he worked, and that he rested. See, God knew ahead of time. Exodus 16, verse 22 to 30, comes and shares this same word, rest, which is really uh, the word Sabbath, and the way to pronounce it is Shabbat, okay? And um, Exodus 16, 22, 30 is basically a time where uh, Moses is in the desert with God's people, and where that started from was that God's people were in bondage to Pharaoh, and did you know that they never stopped working? That they had a seven-day work week. And God said, that's no more. It's not going to happen. He leads Moses to lead the people out to get what? Away from that bondage of being busy and continuing and never stopping. He takes them out to the desert and he's feeding them and the people are freaking out. How are we supposed to eat? He tells them, I'm going to provide. I'm going to rain down meat and bread. I don't know about you, but I think the best cook would be Jesus. So I think there's some good meat and some good bread. Seriously, right? So we catch this story. On the sixth day, they gather twice as much food, four quarts apiece, and all the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses, right? Why gather double on the sixth day? Because the seventh day was for rest. He told them, this is what the Lord said. Tomorrow is a day of complete rest. Somebody say complete rest. I mean, have you ever ever had a complete rest? I don't know. That's hard. A holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil and set it aside, everything left over to keep it until morning. So they set it aside until morning as Moses commanded and it didn't stink or have maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you won't find any in the field. For six days you will gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. Yet on the, Sabbath, on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they did not find any. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands, instructions? 
Understand that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Somebody say, given you. Yeah, he's given you the Sabbath. This is a gift from God. Therefore, on the sixth day, he will give you two days worth of bread. Each of you stay where you are. No one is to leave this place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. How long has it been since you've rested? Now, I want to talk a little bit about the scientific uh, research. I think I put a definition for science. I don't know if I sent it over or not, but maybe not. So science, right, is the study of the physical, right, the natural. It's research and comes up with what you can see. It's an observation. It's part of science. So the word Sabbath comes with the words from the Hebrew word Shabbat, and it meaning to stop, to seize, to keep, or to rest. So something's moving, something's making happen, it stops. It seizes. Also, it means to keep and to rest. Now, just for, um, and this isn't up here, but for stopping uh, throughout the day, and you can take this back to your workplaces, is that uh, scientific research says that taking a break at work hint, hint, during the day at work will actually reduce stress and increase productivity. So if you want to do better at work, you want your company to do better, there you go. Now, when it comes to Sabbath, which is a day off from work, scientific reason says it boosts your immune system, it reduces inflammation and the risk of heart attack. I don't know about you, but I think health costs is going up there's probably more sickness now, maybe. Uh, you sleep better. It restores mental energy. And the reason why I interjected this, because I wasn't sure if you guys would believe me. So you might believe science, right? That's a joke. Restores mental energy. It's more creative, more productive at work, improves short-term memory, helps you to enjoy work, and play. So you enjoy your work when you take that day. And you'll even enjoy your play. And we're better focused when we take the day off. Now, the ultimate inactivity is sleep. Now check this out. Even in sleep, even though it's the ultimate inactivity, did you know in those unconscious hours your body is working the most to replenish and to repair itself from head to toe. Even in that rest. Can you imagine that? Now why Sabbath? Why Sabbath? Why take that day to rest? What we're saying is when we are Sabbath, when we rest, now, we have that negative connotation that is a religious type, right? Talking like seven-day Adventists. I don't mean to offend anybody if you were or you are. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it's the boringest day, and it's like you can't do nothing, and you better do it or you're going to hell type thing, you know, it, that kind of stuff that we've been brought up with maybe. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're saying is we're deeply loved by God for who we are, 
not for what we do. We're deeply loved by God for who we are. Do you know that you are a son and daughter of God? Do you know that you've been bought with a price? Do you know that you've been separated and set aside? Do you know that you are precious to him? That's what we're saying. And that we're not what we do. God is the center and the source of our lives. God is the center and the source of our lives. And that we trust God to provide and care for us. Those are the three things we're saying when we Sabbath. Now here are the principles of Sabbath. You've got to pick one day. One 24-hour period. Uh, in, in Jewish times, it was Friday night to Saturday night. Like Saturday, you know, Friday 6 to Saturday at 6 or whatever. God had in mind the, uh, the law enforcement, nurses, preachers, people on call, right? He had that in mind. And for some, it's different than the others. Some of you are not going to be able to take, you know, a Saturday or a Sunday or whatever day. Like for me, usually Sunday is one of my work days. Literally, like I'll leave after here and I'll go to work. And then when I study and I get ready to teach, it's a bit like work. I do enjoy it. It is different than what I do most days. So it could be uh, used as a Sabbath for me. But I'm usually on, uh, I don't want to say on alert, but I'm very aware of what's going around. I'm more like here to serve. And so I'm working, you know, usually on Sunday. I could turn it into a Sabbath if I only had to preach. But sometimes I got to go to work too because I work in an auto industry and we're open on Sundays and I work on commission. So to some of you, you have that type of job. You might be uh, in, you know, in the hospital and you work you know, so many days a week. So to some of you, it might be a Tuesday. It might be a Friday. Your days might change from week to week because your schedule changes. The idea is every seven days, 24 hours. Now, an Acts 29 pastor by the name of Bob Thune, uh, pastor of Coram Deo Church, it's part of the culture of his staff. There is a day of the week that all of his staff, including himself, they have a Sabbath day. And that day, no emails, no phone calls, there's others that are on call for that, and they respect that time. It's part of working there. Pete Scazzaro, the one that actually wrote this, had an interview um, going, my wife was sharing, and it was a, it was a pastor that, uh, a guy that was applying for a pastor position, and he said, the way that you can get fired is by not having a day of rest. That's how much they believe in taking this day of rest. Now, when it comes to business, and it comes to success, and it comes to running things, um, I don't know if you guys know, but I have a, a, a big background, 20 years uh, managing and running a business um, there in the automotive industry. Uh, millions of dollars, um, you know, 50 employees, um, you know, invoices, payroll, you know, all that stuff, POs, vendors, blah, 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 corporate, advertising, all that. Every conference, every training I went to, every uh, guru, in, in, named guru, that would say, if you want to be successful, if you want to be productive, if you want to go to the next level, all of them say, you've got to take a day where you totally disconnect, you totally rest. Even they say it. So, number one, the principle is got to stop, uh, got to take a day. So, picking a day. Number two is stopping. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. 
Matthew 6, 25, 33 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, that you, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body. What you will wear isn't life more than food or the body more than clothing. So why don't people stop? Why don't we stop? It's an anxiety, maybe you feel guilty. So if you feel you struggle to sit down and not do anything, because maybe you're afraid of what might go wrong. What might go wrong if I don't fill in the blanks? Let you be my father and take care of me. Dad, I can trust you to take care of me today. You trust that it's going to be fine. That's what happens when you stop. If you don't give God a chance to show you that he can take care of you, then how can we expect our faith to grow? How can we expect our relationship to grow? How are we to experience his love without giving him room to show us? To allow us to see him as father. To allow him to, allow him to, uh, allowing us to see him as father. Number three is rest. Rest is whatever replenishes you. Um, some of you, you know, uh, going to a football game, you know, when the Jags game, it's like, that's restful. It's like you're so excited, it's awesome. To some of you, it's exhausting, right? To some of you, you know, going for, maybe you're, you're really, uh, you know, you don't move a lot at your work or throughout the week, so going for a bike ride, going for a run, maybe playing some soccer, whatever it is. To some of you, you know, it's, it's picking up a paintbrush, it's um, going to a play, it's going for a, a walk on the beach. Some of you, it's making a, a nice meal. Maybe to some of you, it's a, a, a hobby like carpentry or a model, putting a model together or, or, uh, or something like that. Maybe you put music together, maybe you DJ, maybe you make beats, maybe whatever. And that's restful to you. And to others, it's like, I hear stuff all week long. I don't want to hear no beats, you know what I mean? So it's different for every one of us. But what replenishes you? When you walk away from whatever it is that you're going to do on your Sabbath or that whatever it is that you're going to experience, if you can walk away feeling refreshed, feeling replenished, that's what rest is. Number four is delight. Delight. Genesis 131, God said it was very good, and that means delight. That's what the, the Hebrew phrase communicates, a sense of joy, a sense of completion, a sense of wonder and play. See, many of us have been taught through religion that you can't enjoy, right? That you can't have wonder, that you can't have play, because then it's not from God. It's not okay to do that. It's not okay to have that. But I'm here to tell you that that's what the Hebrew word meant when it says this is very good. God delighted. God was excited. God was, wow. Creation is God's playground as a gift to us for our enjoyment of food with our sense of smell, right? God's, uh, creation is God's playground for 
our eyes to be able to see things like a mountain or a river or a flower or a bee. Right? To be able to taste the riches of that food. Visiting a museum, walking on the beach, the trail splashing in the pool, delighting, replenishing you. See, at the end of the day, it's a big, huge step. It is a big, huge step. As a matter of fact, this is something that is probably maybe sounding foreign. Uh, maybe you might be feeling guilt. Um, you might even be feeling angry. Like, you don't know how much I have going on. You don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know how I've lived my life. You don't know what I got to get done. You don't know the term paper and the people and my family and the sickness. You don't know, and, and, and it's hard, right? I, I get it. I get it. I don't know how many years ago, maybe seven, eight years ago, 12, nine years ago, I forget. I should have got the date. I, was, uh, I went from 10 employees to 50 employees um, in, in my career path. Every year, my numbers is always going up. And I'm not saying that uh, to brag. I'm just saying that's what, what God did in my life. He's been, made me always successful. And the department next to me had a flat. And there were some cultural things that needed to be changed, so my supervisor put me in charge. And I went from basically this position to this position, 10 employees of 50. And I started to work on the culture. And whenever you have culture change inside of an organization and 50 people, you're going to get some backlash. And so I began to experience that. And at the same time, I was pastoring with four of the pastors at an Acts 29 church. I was in charge of discipleship groups, or actually in charge of community groups. We went from four to eight groups. I was in charge of counseling as well. And my Sunday, my Sabbath, quote-unquote, was really like seven to two. That's how much hours I was putting in. And then sometimes during the week, before work or after work, I was meeting to counsel with people, plus community groups, plus meeting with pastors, plus running this organization of 50 people. Now, we ended up going up in that department, uh, but it was not easy. And one day, one night, I just started freaking out. And I don't even know, to be honest, exactly what I was, I just know I had a lot of fear, I had anxiety, I never experienced that before. And I just started to feel really bad for some employees that I had to make decisions that would obviously negatively affect them, but it was stuff that they needed to take responsibility for. So I was a big people pleaser. And being a supervisor and the, and the director, it was hard. And I started to let it get to me. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. And I started to freak out. I remember Veronica praying for me, asking the pastors to pray for me. They, they called one up. I talked to them. It didn't help. And it was basically... I hit a wall. Basically, I came to this place where it took over me. I wasn't the same from that moment. And it's not something that just happened like one day and then, you know, a couple days later, I'm fine. No, this was like this way for, I don't know, maybe 10 days straight, like intense. I couldn't sleep till like three in the morning, four in the morning. And what I didn't know then, but I know now, was that I had uh, anxiety and came down with depression. So I can understand how we get to this place where it's just out of control, right? It's hard. Um, do you think that maybe if I had a daily office, do you think that maybe if I really had a true Sabbath, do you think maybe that that could have helped prevent that? Maybe I could have been aware and saw it a lot sooner. Uh, maybe I wouldn't even taken this position. Maybe, um, you know, I would have changed certain things of my tasks at, at church. I don't know. 
But we go through that. We get to these places. But it's a big, huge step, is what I wanted to say. It's a big, huge step in our relationship with God. Why? Being able to see all the good. That's a huge step. I mean, you're hanging out with God for the whole day. You're enjoying him. So there's delight, and then there's delight in people as well. Slowing down to pay attention and delight in people. Leaving room for unexpected conversations with family members or shopkeepers or a delivery person or a neighbor. See, Jesus slowed down. He talked to the Samaritan. He talked to the young rich ruler. He kicked it with Martha and Mary. Leaving that time to be able to have those conversations. You're not in a rush that day. Oh, look, I never noticed how much I love to paint or how much my kids have this ability or that ability or this way about them. To be able to notice even those that are closest around us. And then this last principle is contemplation. Contemplation and the heart of Sabbath is pondering on the love of God that remains the central focus of how much God loves us, about resting in that love. Reading scripture, being with him, listening to songs, worshiping with other believers like on today on Sunday. See, there's an element of stopping to be with God in silence and worship and prayer, but not being in a rush. Why not being in a rush on the day of Sabbath for you? It's because you have all day. You have nothing to do that day. Somebody say, nothing to do that day. Okay, say it like you believe it. Say, nothing to do that day. That, does that sound weird? Am I the only one in the room where it sounds weird to say that? <laughs> nothing to do that day. That's why you can contemplate. That's why you can delight. That's why you can rest. So my, some of my Sabbaths, I started practicing this for a while. Um, it usually goes like, I usually sleep in a little. Like I sleep till whenever I can, whenever, there's no alarm, there's no when, I just, whenever I wake up and I feel good waking up. If not, I just stay there sleeping. And um, I usually go to the living room because there's this like, place where you can see outside a little bit at my house and it, it has wood floor so it's like warm for me and just feels good it's usually quiet um, and so I just spend some time just like doing nothing basically I'm like oh this is so good <laughs> thank you God <laughs> now in other times when something's going on with my wife and my kids and all this stuff going on is like please leave me alone or I'll go to a place uh, right around the neighborhood where I can sit down on this chair and, and just chill I'll even get earphones. I have some Bose wireless ones that they, um, it, uh, noise cancellator, cancellation. It doesn't cancel everything, but it cancels quite a bit. But anyways, that's what it looks like in that part. Um, if I can do something that's fun or that I enjoy, because I'm very bad at that, um, I can relate to Bob and just doing, 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 and not actually enjoying the things I used to when I was younger, so I try whether it's like fishing or one day my wife, my daughter and I went paddleboarding or I don't know. You guys need to help me out on that one. So, but I need to, I need to start having more fun in life. But anyways, um, and you know, there's usually an element of, of spending some time with my wife or one of my children. 
Um, and there's usually an element of, of just being silent. And I love that when I can be silent and I don't have anything to do, because then it could last for whatever it needs to be. And I'll read some scripture. Sometimes I'll fall asleep as I read scripture. I'll meditate on certain scripture. I'll just be silent some more, and I'll just let it. But I feel this presence of God. And, and it just feels so beautiful that I don't want to leave it. So for whatever time, and then when it's time, then I stop it. So I don't know what that time is. It could be 30 minutes. It could be an hour. It could be three hours, whatever. And usually that's probably the best Sabbath that I've ever had. Other ones, you know, I'll put some stuff in there that maybe I shouldn't have, and it wasn't so restful. Um, and there's some times that I've skipped them, right? This is not religion, and it doesn't mean that it was good for me, and I can definitely feel it the next day and the next week. Um, okay, let me keep on here. So this is an element of stopping and being with him. Psalms 16:11 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let me read that again. You make known to me the path of life. Aren't we all looking for a path? Isn't every human on this earth looking for a path? And they're looking for the path of life. He says, you make it known to me. And then he tells them what it is. He says, in your presence there is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Full joy is in the presence of God. He is not some wicked ruler that keeps full joy from us. He allows us to experience it in his presence. And he says, at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. We don't serve a bad God. We don't serve a mean God. We don't serve a, a God that withholds the best from us. We have a God that celebrates us by giving us himself and giving us pleasures forevermore. That's the God that we serve. We serve a very good, sweet, loving, beautiful, amazing, gentle, caring, thoughtful God. We have that dad, we have that father, regardless of the way our fathers on this earth have been and not been to us. Matthew 12, 18 says, and we'll go into this next section. Matthew 12, 18 says, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Who is he talking about? Matthew was talking about Jesus being the Lord of the Sabbath. What does this mean? He was over Sabbath. But John 19, 30 says something else. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished then, bowing his head, and he gave up his spirit. What? What is finished? See, Jesus, Ephesians 4 says, is our rest. Why is Jesus our rest in Ephesians 4, 4, 9? Because Jesus was the Lord of the Sabbath, and did you know on the day before Sabbath, he said, it is finished. What is finished? The work. And what's that work? It was the work of the cross. It was completing what God requires in order for us to stand right with God. He took the unholy, right, and gave him holiness. And he took the holy one, and made him unholy for us. First, Second Corinthians 5, 20, 21 says, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin, not add sin, but be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There, the King of kings, the, 
the Lord of Lords, God's precious Son, the Lord of the Sabbath, completed the work on the cross when He said it's finished and laid His body on a stone before, right? Pontius Pilate wanted to get Him in the tomb so that way no work could be done. And it was completed and it was finished so that what? We could enter the rest that God has for us. When we participate when we practice the Sabbath, ladies and gentlemen, we are practicing the very gospel that we believe in. We are not forgetting that Jesus is our Sabbath and that we are eternally secure in the work that he has done so we can rest. So we can rest. Church, I want to have the guts to stand up here and tell you and to call you to a radical way of living that's so countercultural, that is life-saving and life-giving. I don't know about you, but there are too many people that I have come across that are way too busy and have too much going on and that are spinning plates in every area of their life and they're at the, at the, at the brink of breaking down there are too many pastors and leaders in positions where they too have sacrificed their own health, their own sanity, their families, those that are closest to them, just like Bob Pierce. That could happen to any one of us. And as we call you to a daily office, as we call you to these mini Sabbaths of stopping to be with Jesus, stopping to rest in Him, that maybe you may pay attention to what's going on on the inside and not miss that there's something going on with your daughter or your son and not miss that there's something going on with your wife or your husband and not miss that there might be a, just a different way to do this at work that would make it easier and more successful than not miss that, hey, your body's saying something to you that maybe you need to attend to so you don't end up having that heart attack or you might end up having that whatever, that mishap, that mistake. I'm not saying being perfect. I'm saying to be able to, to pay attention to that. I'm, I'm, I want to have the good say. I want to call you to that. If you live this life that God has, he says, what did Jesus say? Right? He says, come on to, unto me, all you are, who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Isn't that the reason why that we started in the first place? Isn't that the reason why that we decided to follow Jesus? But yet we've turned it into work. We've turned it into being busy and more and more and more. But yet it's a proven fact that even with doing less, even with stopping and resting, you actually could accomplish what God has for you. You could probably do even more. The most busy, the most productive country is France and Germany, and they, 30 days, they mandate you have to take off. They're more productive than the U.S. We're the sixth, and we won't even take the seven days that we're supposed to have off from work. Most Americans don't. That's just facts. What are we trying to accomplish? What are we trying to do? Your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your brothers, your sisters in Christ, everyone around you is watching you. And you are preaching with your life. And you are telling them a story about a God, about a Father. And you are saying, He is trustworthy or He is not. He is our rest or He is not. 
Now, it's not dependent on you for you to completely win them because it's the Spirit of God that makes them alive. I know that. I'm not doing this like to guilt you. I'm just saying, can we begin to trust the Word of God where God the Father on the seventh day said that He gave us this so we would rest? Right? That He rested. And if we are to image God back to Him who we are created in, this stopping, this resting, this delighting. I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. Most preachers and most pastors want to get you to do more. This is probably the first sermon you've ever heard where someone is saying, I want you to do less. Right? Go get more people that believe Jesus. Get busy doing this. Go help that person. Go fix that person. Go serve here. Go serve there. We can do all that, but we can miss the very gospel, the very rest that we're calling people to. We're saying that there's something better. There's someone better that we've encountered. We're saying we found this Jesus. That he, what he says he promises, he comes through on. I think one of the things that gets in the way is that we just sometimes have a hard time believing it for us that it's okay for us to rest. You know, being brought up with, you have to always be doing something. And there's something deeper there. And I, and I want to encourage you and to challenge you to explore that. If you're having even a hard time with what I'm saying today, I know I did. It wasn't easy when I first learned this at all. So I want to call you to this. I want to invite you to this. As the worship team gets ready and we go into our time of, of song, I want to make an invitation. I want to make an invitation to you that if you've never Sabbathed, and, and maybe this is brand new, so it's, it's okay, no big deal. <clears throat> and you're going to learn about it. You can go back and listen to the, the sermon on it and you can read in it in your book. But if you've never Sabbathed, and you're thinking, I can't Sabbath, I can't stop, would you admit that? Would you just say, man, that's me? You say, like, man, my, my life, like, it's just, it's just too hard. I just, I can't even see that. Would you, would you, would you bring that to Jesus? You know, we're going to have some, some of us that come up here, and, and you can pray. Would you go up to him and say, could you pray for me? Because I'm having a hard time allowing myself to even say, I would Sabbath. I would take a day. Or I'm going to start, you know, stopping throughout the day with daily office, which is mini Sabbaths. I'm going to start with that. Would you be willing to trust God in that? Would you be willing to come to the gospel again where he says, I will give you rest? Would you believe that he completed the work whatever you're trying to fix, whatever you're trying to complete, whatever you're trying to make happen that keeps you from resting in Him. And would you just give yourself permission? You know, the Bible says when your heart condemns you, God is even greater than your heart. 
Even if you just have to start right there and just say, you know what, I need prayer because my heart's condemning me and I feel guilty and I don't even know what it's going to be like and I'm scared and I'm worried and, and, and I just feel this resistance, but I know this is God calling me. Today, ladies and gentlemen, this could be the very thing that saves your life and not just your life, but the life of those that are around you that you love and that you care for. This could save their life. It could save a coworker, even if they don't even believe in God, and tell them, man, even if you just took one day just to chill, man. God loves you so much that he's not going to let you go. He's not going to let you go on this. He's going to chase you down with rest and love and delight and care because that's who our Father is. And the enemy's number one purpose is to get you to believe something else. And that's what this world is to get you to believe, is that God isn't loving, God isn't caring. Let us all stand as we sing these songs, and as we take of the Lord's Supper, would you come? Would you say, I am that one, I am that person that is having a hard time with it, I am, I'm struggling with this. Or maybe you're not struggling with it, and you're delighted, and you want to come up and pray anyways, and say, I want to do this, I'm excited about this, I'm happy for this, I thank God that there is a Sabbath, that there is a rest, and it's not religious, it's actually a beautiful thing. He gave me six days to figure it all out, whatever it is, the dishes, the clothes, the laundry, the food, and then the seventh day, if it piles up that day, or whatever whatever let it all go and just rest just replenish don't do what you do those other six days and relax in God father I pray for all of us here today that we would actually live this radical life of the way that you have provided for us to be able to rest in you and that we just rest even in our souls that we're saved that we're forgiven that we're accepted and that we're loved and every Sunday or every uh, Sabbath day whatever that day is Monday Tuesday whatever that we would take that whole day just to say we're going to practice the gospel and we're going to rest in you and believe in you and preach the gospel to ourselves and to others that you are our rest in Jesus name